Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. On January 31st, 1957, the Governor of General of Canada, Vincent Massey, issued a proclamation. It stated, A day of general thanksgiving to Almighty God for the bountiful harvest with which Canada has been blessed is to be observed on the second Monday in October. We don't really need an act of parliament or a royal proclamation or a special day to give thanks, do we? Harvest festivals of Thanksgiving are an ancient practice. You can see that from the Old Testament lesson, can't you? That's an early Thanksgiving festival. Or it's all over the Psalms. You can, you can look in our gradual for today. Oh, give Thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Or you might remember the preface to the Lord's Supper. It is truly meet, right, and salutary that we should, at all times and in all places, give thanks to you. On this occasion, it's most fitting that we offer our gratitude for the blessings that we have received from God for this past year. That's how Thanksgiving works, by the way. God gives, we receive His gifts, and then we respond with Thanksgiving. Today we reflect on those things which the Lord has given us, which we think are worthy of special consideration, special thankfulness. Our readings from our gospel reading and our epistle reading should remind us, though, about the responsibility that we have with our abundance. In our gospel reading, Jesus is in the middle of teaching a crowd of several thousand people when he's disrupted by some anonymous guy who's utterly obsessed with getting his portion of the family inheritance. But, the, but our Lord sees that there's more than just a legal dispute going on here. Getting your legal fair share is not a good thing when the real motivation is greed. So Jesus issues a dire warning, and it applies to all of us. Take care, be on your guard against all covetousness. Covetousness is greed. It's a misplaced craving of the heart. It's a good desire gone wrong. It's an inordinate, excessive love for wealth and possessions, for money or the things money can buy. Now, of course, God made us to have certain needs and to need certain things. But the problem of greed is not that we want something so much as our desires are misdirected, out of proportion. 
And so Jesus tells a story about an already wealthy farmer. An already rich farmer gets an unexpected bumper crop. God has blessed him with just the right amount of rain and sun, no disease, no pestilence, huge yields. And there is not a single ounce of thankfulness in this rich man's body. And there is not a single thought of anybody other than himself. And so, did you notice what his immediate thought was? What am I going to do with all this extra grain? Guess I'm just going to have to build bigger storehouses. But you know what? I'm really set here. I'm not going to have to work another day in my life. I can retire young. Take it easy. I'm going to relax on the beach and sip margaritas and drive fancy cars. Right? Now, many who hear this parable, especially in North America, wonder, why is this rich guy called a fool? Isn't this the American dream? Isn't this what we're all encouraged to do? Isn't he just being wise and responsible with his money and his time and his future? Uh, The rich farmer would make a great financial advisor, wouldn't he? He seems to have it all figured out. You work hard and you, you, know, you can sell books and, and, and you know, have social media streams. He'd be really popular. That's what it's all about, right? Just make enough and then relax. That's what we're told. That rich man's land, it proved abundantly. But did you notice the way I emphasized the reading? He only consults with himself. No thought of God. He he expresses no sense of thankfulness to God or to the workers who helped build the storehouses and do the harvest work. He has more grain and goods than he could ever hope to use in a lifetime. And he has no thoughts, none, with sharing that crop with the poor, the ill, or the naked, the destitute around him. He had not a single thought of what God required of him with his abundance. He looked forward to congratulating himself on his wisdom uh, as he looked forward to spending many years with his soul, eating, drinking, and making merry. Do you react like the rich man? Is that you? Is that me? The rich man failed to consider, and what we often fail to consider is that life itself is just a loan from God. Everything you have, everything, house, home, spouse, the clothes on your back, everything is a gift to you from Almighty God. Each day is a gift. And for this, it is our duty to thank, praise, serve, and obey him. As that old hymn says, we give thee but thine own, whate'er the gift may be. All that we have is thine alone. A trust, O Lord, from thee. Right? The prosperous farmer is a fool, not because he was rich, not because he saves for the future, but because he appears to live only for himself, And because he believes that he can secure his life with abundant possessions. 
It's all about priorities. It's about who is truly God in your life. It's about how we invest our time and our lives and the gifts that God has given to us. It's about how our lives are aligned. Are they aligned to ourselves? Or are they aligned to God and to the benefit of our neighbor? And to God's mission to make sure that we bring the love of Jesus to the world. Many people express regrets when they realize that the end of their life is coming. You will never hear anyone regrets, regret by saying this. Oh, I, I really wish I hadn't given so much away. I really wish that I kept more stuff for myself. You'll never hear that regret on someone's deathbed. And that's the point that Paul's getting at in the epistle reading. The church at Corinth had pledged to give money to Paul to help some impoverished Christians in Jerusalem. And so Paul's writing the letter to remind them that, hey, a delegation is coming to get the money you've pledged. Um, and he wants the congregation to, to be ready so that they're not embarrassed and he's not embarrassed and nobody's embarrassed. But he makes the point that God doesn't want us to give to others because we have to. He doesn't want you to give because you have to. He wants you to share because he, you want to. Paul says God loves a cheerful giver. Now what would make us cheerful givers? Think about what God has done for you. God has blessed you and continues to provide you with everything you need. Indeed, more than you need. North Americans are the richest people in the world. God has blessed us beyond compare. Now we are in turn to show our love and compassion and our gratitude by giving to others out of thanks to God for what he's blessed us with and because our neighbor has needs. Paul points out that the blessings that you receive, the blessings that we all receive, both physical and spiritual, are given to us for a specific reason. You are given an abundance so that you may share it. So that you can touch people's hearts and show them the love of Jesus. And when you do that, when you give in that way, when you give to someone in need, what will they do? They will say, thank you. And you'll respond, don't thank me, thank God. And so the whole thing turns out to give God more thanks and praise than if you had just kept all that to yourself. This is thanksgiving. And the best way to give thanks is to make sure that God gets the most 
thanks. This is not about tooting your horn and making sure you look good by giving to others. This is giving to others because they have need and to give, and to give glory to God. All of this, before we move on to that, that's what the second stanza in that hymn that we sung right before this um, uh, sermon mentioned. In the just reward of labor, God's will is done. In the help we give our neighbor, God's will is done. In our worldwide task of caring for the hungry and despairing, in the harvests we are sharing, God's will is done. And we're doing this because we are imitating the generosity that God has shown us. In the chapter before our epistle lesson, Paul says, For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. When we give to others, we're imitating the generosity that God has given to us. Because God has given you absolutely everything. Not only everything you have, he's given you himself. Jesus, the very Son of God, came down from heaven for your sake. He emptied himself. He put aside his outward glory and he, he put aside earthly wealth and he walked in poverty and homelessness and shame and disrepute, and he did it all the way to the cross for you. To buy your salvation, to give you the promise, the hope of eternal life and forgiveness of sins. That's the gift that Jesus has purchased and won for you. God has given you everything. It's good to give thanks to the Lord. It's good for us to be here this morning. It is good that we thank the Lord, for everything we have, for the bounties of this dominion of Canada, for the freedoms we enjoy, for the food on our tables, for the clothes on our back, for the roof over our heads, for not getting COVID. There's numerous blessings we might have. All of these things are gifts from our gracious Father, for all of which it is our duty to thank, praise, serve, and obey Him. Much more than our duty, it's our privilege. It's our privilege to give thanks not only for ourselves, but also for our neighbors. It's our privilege in our abundance to help our neighbors because we're imitating the generosity that God himself has shown to us. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at iCloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.